You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season two. It's episode 52, Cubs All-Star Week. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. In this segment, Crawley interviews Brian Smith of Bleacher Nation to break down a complete list of the Cubs 2023 MLB draft. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, not only has it been All-Star Weekend, but we had the MLB draft, and who better to talk about the Cubs picks than Brian Smith? You can find him on Twitter at Cubs Prospects, and you can read his work at Bleacher Nation. Brian, had to have been an exciting uh, weekend for you, week actually. Yeah, it's it's one of those fun times of the year where like, you know they're just going to have stuff, so, you know, there's sort of nothing, um, there's really nothing negative. I know it's easy to critique draft picks and stuff like that, but we, you know, we don't, we certainly don't know as much as the Cub scouts and, you know, we know that the Cubs walked away from these three days uh, thinking their farm system's better. So that's exciting. So we're down, we have 20 rounds of the draft, correct? And yes. when you do this, it was kind of interesting because the Cubs lost a pick, but they gained mm-hmm. a pick. Explain to our listeners what I'm talking about here. Sure. So when the Cubs signed Dansby Swanson, uh, what ends up happening for that uh, is they lose their second round pick as a result of that. You know, he was offered a qualifying offer by the Braves as, you know, just a procedural move, basically. Uh, And then when he signed with the Cubs, that cost them their second round pick. On the other hand, Wilson Contreras was offered a qualifying offer by the Cubs when he signed with the Cardinals. The Cubs get a pick at the end of the second round. And the reason that happens is because they're a big market team. Small market teams get get their pick at the end of the first round. Cubs get it after the second. So essentially, going from um, Wilson Contreras to Dansby Swanson costs the Cubs about 20 uh, slots in the second round. So, you know, a relatively minor drop in the grand scheme of things. A relatively minor drop, but I still hope Theo does something to fix that ridiculousness of the Cardinals being a, you know, that's that that's just silly here. But when it we is. take a look at the draft, and I'm just going to put the whole board up at first here, um, yeah. you know, it seemed to me that when you look at everything that they took, it seemed like they went really heavy with college as opposed to high school players this year. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, and it's it's not it doesn't look like the drafts that they've had the last couple of years with Dan Kantrovitz at the helm as scouting director for the Cubs. They, you know, I think they drafted a lot more for upside, like raw, raw upside the last couple of years. This is more of a draft that it kind of looked like for the Cubs in the mid 2010s, getting some college players, you know, yeah, there's plenty of upside in that list. And, you know, we'll kind of go through some of those names, I think. But uh, I think when they looked at this class, they really liked the college side of it better and uh i think it appeals to them because they have a much sort of safer projection on some of the guys they got right and and you know they seem to go heavy pitching again uh, you know uh which again you never can have too many pitchers right yeah i mean not certainly not as extreme as last year when they went 17 pitchers and you know i mean willing to draft a bunch of players that they knew weren't even going to play this year which was which was a unique strategy uh, at least this year, they I think they looked at the lower levels of the farm system and they started to see that it's getting a little thin on the hitting side. So those first eight rounds, they really were kind of hitter heavy. But yeah, when they get to day three, you know, I think they really trust their R&D team to identify pitchers. And so that's sort of their that's the place I think they feel the most safe and the most um, able to find inefficiencies in the market. 
And I saw some people upset because, you know, of course, they're always going to be upset. But you take a look Mm -hmm. at the Cubs when you're looking at your, you know, you got one, two, three shortstops like in the first two rounds. But I mean, that's what they're always your best athletes, right? It it doesn't mean they're going to necessarily end up at shortstop. Yeah, I mean. You know, Chris Bryant played shortstop for his high school team. You know, I mean, the, essentially what you're going to what you're going to do at those levels is you're going to put your best athlete at shortstop. So when you see the Cubs get shortstops, whether it's through the draft or through international free agency, where it seems like the Cubs always will like spend the most money on shortstops. It's just it's it's not where they're going to end up. It just means that they got an athlete. And, you know, in the case of those three players we're talking about, like they got three athletes. I thought. Uh, Brian, we'd go through the first five picks because those are the ones yeah. that everybody really gets excited about. And then, uh, you know, I just kind of want your opinion on who you think may be some really good value picks that the Cub had. So yeah. number one, yeah, we got from Maryland, Matt Shaw, shortstop with the 13th pick. What can you tell us about Matt Shaw? Yeah, I mean, I think Matt Shaw is kind of a throwback to how the Cubs drafted when they drafted, you know, the Brian Schwarber half years. I mean, they just... What they did is they identified a guy that that hits all the time. I mean, he was the MVP of the Cape Cod League last year. He was the Big Ten Player of the Year. Just a guy that that all he does is hit the baseball. And on top of it, like pretty good athlete. Probably not a shortstop. I think you know. I think he'll move off shortstop almost immediately uh, and try a little second base, try a little third base. But um, really, really strong kid um, and, a, and a really nice swing, uh, knows what he's do- doing at the plate, does not panic. And uh, yeah, he's a, he's a really good addition to the system and somebody I think that could move pretty fast. Um, now, was there any issue I heard with his arm maybe not being super strong or? Yeah, it, it's, it's definitely not strong. It's his lightest tool. I think there's some people that say that third base, you know, that that's going to push him off shortstop and that it makes third base not even possible. You know, the Cubs organization is kind of a funny one to look at that because, you know, Dansby Swanson's weakest tool is the strength of his throwing arm. Nico Horner drafted, had a weak throwing arm. That's gotten stronger since he was in the Cubs system. And I mean, hell, the Cubs played Nick Madrigal at third base. So like, I'm not going to write off the possibility that that Matt Shaw, who's a good athlete that moves well laterally, can just figure it out at third base. I think it's I think it's certainly possible, especially when, you know, he gets in a pro strength and conditioning program and, and works on that arm strength. Yeah, like you said, if you get Nick Magical to play third, you can get anyone to play third. Yeah. Uh, Jackson Wiggins, right-handed pitcher from Arkansas, Razorback. Oh, that you know that. So I think doesn't Justin Steele? He's a big. I think is he. Arkansas, no, he's at Alabama. Alabama. Yep. But two uh, C pick sixty eight. What can you tell us about this young pitcher? Yeah, I mean the Cubs have looked at this particular program really hard the last couple of years. I think they've drafted four players from Arkansas in the last two or three years. Um, so it's a program they really like. It's a program that 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 area scout Ty Nichols knows really well. Um, and Jackson Wiggins had Tommy John at the beginning of this year. So he's going to miss this entire year, probably a delayed start to next season. But I think, you know, given the Cubs familiarity with the, with that program, I think in the weeks before his injury, I bet you Ty Nichols saw some stuff that other organizations didn't. I think, you know, saw some 98s with the fastball, but probably more importantly, saw a lot of development in terms of command and secondary stuff. 
And I think the Cubs think that they got a really undervalued player that was destined to be a first round pick if he'd stayed healthy. That's that, you know, and, and again, who doesn't have Tommy John nowadays? It feels like, you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> the Cubs, I mean, the Cubs are really comfortable with like getting through the Tommy John process with their players. If you look at last year's draft picks, you know, I want to say there's four guys already that, that are going through the Tommy John process. It just doesn't intimidate the Cubs. I think they think it, it's actually a way to find undervalued players that, you know, the market might be scared off by the Tommy John surgery and the Cubs feel good about the rehab process they have in Mesa for those guys. Right. Now with the third round pick from the University of Florida, Josh Rivera shortstop. What do we know about Josh? Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite picks in the draft, like a, a guy that broke out this year in a huge way, would have been a higher draft pick if he wasn't a senior. Seniors, college seniors drop in the draft a little bit, mostly because they just don't have the leverage that a college junior has. Uh, if he was a junior, you know, probably a guy who gets some first round pick consideration. Um, really like physical, strong, shortstop, good body. But I think a guy that, you know, probably can stick at shortstop in the long run as well um broke out this year after not after struggling a little bit in his first couple of years so you know i think if you're looking optimistic you think about a guy like jeremy pena who was a guy who kind of struggled in college found his power stroke a little later into his sort of like early to mid 20s that 23 to 25 range and then has been a stud for the astros since and you know i think that's the kind of player the cubs think they got here Nice. Wouldn't mind a Jeremy Pena on the Cubs. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Fourth round number pick number one thirteen out of South Carolina. Will Sanders. What do we know about this right-handed pitcher? Yeah. I mean, the Cubs clearly like just big bodies. If you're six foot five and can throw in the nineties, the, you know, the Cubs are interested And in, you know, Will Sanders is six foot six, uh, could have been a first round pick this year. If he really, if he really pitched well, uh, did not pitch particularly well. So I think the Cubs are, are going to try to find more of the the guy they saw in fall ball um, and even a little bit last season. They're going to try to sort of rediscover some of that stuff. I know Will uh, fought through some injuries this year. So I think the Cubs think if we get him back to that, that point he was at a year ago, then, you know, we probably got a second round pick value in the fourth round. Um, and, you know, I mean, anytime you can do that, that's a win. And I think that kind of leads us to an important point is that there's two things that you kind of take a look at, two, two, two sides of the coins, the scouting part and the development part, right? Yes. And so it's kind of like, oh, well, he didn't have a good year, da-da-da. But, but if they see something in a guy, they, they trust their system. Yes. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a guy that's given up a ton of home runs in college, and that's been a real problem. And I think what they see is that he throws – way too many low 90s flat fastballs. And I think the Cubs have a lot of confidence that what they can do is they can move a guy from the low 90s to the mid 90s through their velocity program. And then through, you know, the work they do in labs and things like that, they can slightly, slightly alter the grip he has on his fastball. And what that's going to do is, is sort of, you know, if they do it right, it's going to add ride and life to that pitch, which then will make it play better up in the zone and instead of guys hitting home runs, they, they end up swinging under it. So, yeah, the Cubs are not afraid to tackle a project, especially on the pitching side these days. They really believe in their in their pitching player development infrastructure. All righty. And then in the fifth round, Michael Carrico, catcher from Davidson in the fifth round, pick 149. What does Michael provide for the Cubs? 
Yeah, I mean, he's he's your guy that, like, his numbers – Hayden McGeary was the guy the Cubs drafted last year that when the Cubs drafted him, you looked up his college numbers and they looked like, you know, straight out of a video game. And Hayden's been able to translate it really well this year. If you look up Michael's numbers at Davidson, it's the same thing. Just looks like a video game. 500 on baseball for such stuff. Um, this year, I think he probably could have been well if this year went uh, a little different. Um breaking his wrist and so he didn't get much time to show scouts uh his catching but everybody knows that he can hit and if you read dan kantrovitz's quotes after the draft i think the cubs through previous years do have confidence that he could stick a catcher so um you know it, it could i think it's one of the best picks in the draft they have you watch video of him you're gonna like it crawley because when he hits home runs his finish reminds me so much of Miguel Montero and, you know, <laughs> such a fun, that's a fun swing to have around and watch every day. Oh, absolutely, man. Uh, the, the, now you got me excited even more. So you got a catcher <laughs> yeah. who, a catcher who hits like Miggy. Yeah, that's my guy. Now, now I'm putting a little star next to him. <laughs> yeah. And so those are the ter- top five uh, draft picks that the Cubs had. And so yeah. again, there, there's 20 rounds and I didn't want to go through all 20, <laughs> yep. but if you take a look, we look at the top five, now, between 6 and 20, give me three guys that you're just sitting here and you're like, this could be a steal. Keep, keep your eye on this guy right here. Sure, yeah. I mean, they, the first name that I would go for is their 11th round pick. Zaire Hope is his name. Um, and I think we heard in the last 12 hours that, that Zaire is going to sign. He was a late commitment to North Carolina, a guy that popped late in the season. And I think a lot of teams saw that commitment to North Carolina and just thought, oh, we're not going to be able to sign him. Uh, you know, credit to the Cubs for sticking on there to to get a bonus number that they were comfortable with. And, you know, it looks uh, – we still got three weeks until these signings are going to be official, but it looks like it's going to get done. You watch nice. tape on Zaire – and I mean, his bat absolutely explodes through the zone. A, a guy who has a lot of present strength, but also a lot of projection. He's a project. It's going to take a few years, but uh, you can't teach physicality and uh, he, he's got plenty of it. So he, he's the guy I think I would not be shocked if he's like the second best player from this draft class. And but, you know, it might take five years to get there. And I think sometimes people have to be aware. And, and obviously with Justin Steele making the all-star game, and he's ta- Justin talked about it. I've heard a lot of Cubs executives talk about with, especially with pitching, but it's not linear. You know what I mean? Especially when you're right. taking these guys out of high school, uh, Justin Steele, what 2014 was a draft pick. He finally makes an all-star game about nine years later. This is going to, exactly. you know, you may not hear Zaire coming in two years, but someone to keep an eye on. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, another player that I'd highlight is the 10th round pick. Uh, you know, we talk about a pitcher now, Luis Martinez Gomez, is a guy out of junior college in Texas. Um, and if you look up his numbers, he had two junior college seasons at two different schools. They are not particularly impressive numbers. He had a six ERA as a freshman at a college in California. He struck out less than eight batters per nine innings at the, at the junior college in Texas last year. But then you watch tape and you're like, man, it's one of the quick, it's, it is the quickest arm that the Cubs drafted this year. Uh, a guy with some projection left, you know, definitely going to be throwing in the mid nineties with the Cubs and it gets back to what we were talking about with their pitching development. They think they can change like two things pretty easily. And it's going to take those strikeout numbers from below average to way above average. And 
uh, I'm excited to see as a guy who just sort of nerds out on the process of player development, I'm excited to see how they tackle him. All right. And one more guy, who else you got? All right. I will do uh, the seventh round pick who Yahil Melendez, who's a shortstop out of Puerto Rico. Uh, he's a fun one. He's, he's listed at six foot three, 165 pounds, you know, you almost don't even believe it's 165. He looks like he's more like 150 pounds right now. Um, <laughs> so what's going to happen with him is like, he's going to live in Arizona for pretty much the next two years. Cubs are going to put him on a program to add weight to, you know, both like eat as many calories a day as you possibly can, and then work out in the strength room as much as you can as well. And, you know, we get to like the 20, Oh, I mean, what are we talking about? I guess we get to the 2025 season and that's when the Cubs will just start working on baseball skills again. Like, I mean, it really is going to be, I think that extreme where it's going to be just strength and conditioning, strength and conditioning. And then like we could wake up in 2025 and the Cubs could have this kid who's six foot four and 185 pounds, but you know, super twitchy who play, who could still play up the middle and then they'd start teaching him power. So that's, that's a fun project that, you know, the likelihood is it doesn't go anywhere, but every once in a while, those guys hit, and those are the really fun ones. And and I think people need to understand is that the Cubs more and more, you know, one of the first organization really starting to use their head on this, but they're keeping guys around in Arizona to, to make sure that they're getting the right yeah. nutrition, to make sure that they are um, – working out and have the best facilities to work out in. And, and, and you, I think Justin Steele was just there this, this last spring guys are sticking around and they're working there with the, under the eyes of the coaches, under the eyes of the trainers, under the eyes of the nutritionists. And I, I feel like that's going to, we're just starting to scratch the surface on the dividends that's going to pay. Yeah. What, what you see the really smart organizations doing right now is putting their best coaches at their complex level. And the reason you do that is, is kind of twofold. One, that's the place where you're going to have the prospects that are the most raw that you can, that you can teach skills to that. Like they're so early. It's like, you know, you're avoiding the old dog, new trick uh, situation that you get in maybe double a. So you're just, you're just sort of molding clay at that point. The other thing that happens is that's where all the guys who are injured go for rehab. So those coaches now can affect two different sets of players. They can tackle the lowest level guys, and then they can help the guys that are working back from injury. Uh, so it's it's a place, I think, where if you're a really smart organization, you put your best coaches. And Tony Kugel uh, was moved to, to Arizona this year, one of the Cubs' best pitching coaches the last few years. He's running the program there, and I, I think uh, the Cubs really value Tony a lot. Well, you know, you gave us a lot to think about, a lot to get excited about. And so now it's just a, a matter of a waiting game and hoping that these guys develop. Brian, tell our listeners where they can find you on Twitter, where they can read your work. Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm on Twitter at Cub Prospects, C-U-B Prospects. Uh, and my work is at Bleacher Nation. Uh, wrote up all these guys in a lot more detail the last couple of days. And, uh, you know, I think... Uh, what I want to mention is that that Bleacher Nation, it's a big month for them. Every July, Brett Taylor raises a bunch of money for the Make-A-Wish Foundation uh, through the BN Blogathon. So, you know, I'd love for people to take a look at what Brett's doing. And one thing I'm going to try to do in the next week or so is rank the top 50 Cubs prospects and send it to anyone who's interested uh, that ends up donating to the Blogathon. So if you're one of those people, hit me up with a, with a message on Twitter and I'll get you get you my revised list. 
I always like to try to figure out a good time where Brett is still coherent, but not too punchy to get him on the show during the blogathon. So hopefully yeah. doing that again this year. Totally. <laughs> well, Brian, appreciate you jumping on. Appreciate your words of wisdom. And we'll be talking to you soon, bud. All right. Appreciate you.